great it's another bass podcast hello there and welcome to the second episode of oh great it's another bass podcast my name is sam and my name is eric and we now have a theme tune fun mm. enough we didn't have that last time yes we didn't anticipate us becoming very famous from the first episode so no it's been uh, <laughs> quite a <laughs> I mean, ride yeah, I mean, if we look back on, I mean, it's been out for about two weeks now, and yeah. uh, we've been getting some some really nice feedback. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't go viral, and I, I didn't expect it to, but no. it really, I mean, people seem to like it, and uh, I figure let's let's keep it keep it the way we we had it on the previous episode. Yeah. You know, I mean, back and <laughs> yeah, it's it's a niche podcast for sure, and uh, we'll we'll just take it from here and see how it goes. Basically, exactly. Exactly. So, Sam, you've got some topics for us. Yeah, uh, I yeah. thought we'd start with the usual, what we've been listening to lately. Um, yeah. Honestly, I've been listening a lot to Iron Maiden, uh, and I blame you for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, could, we could talk about that, actually, yeah, because absolutely. Uh, we, we, I mean, we have met, like, once or twice before, yeah. uh, in, like, in real life, and we met this uh, this very Friday, uh, as I was playing a gig, yeah. uh, playing the Iron Maiden tunes of yore, uh, which was it was really fun. It was it was a terrible sized stage. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I and we play with uh, for for all of you guys listening here who don't know about this uh, tribute band. It's called Infinite Maiden, and we have uh, wigs and we have the clothes and everything. <laughs> and uh, I had a new wig for this occasion, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had. Yeah, it was hard to see. <laughs> and at one point I heard you say, oh, it tastes weird as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got it in my mouth the first <laughs> thing that happens. Uh, and like my old wig that's now retired, it, it cost me about, you know, $6 yeah. in total. This one was about $20, oh. so a bit more, uh, you know, uh, refined, if you will. However, yeah. I need to like do some treatment to it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean... I was really playing by, you know, muscle memory quite a lot because <laughs> I, cu I couldn't see the neck. Uh, and I, I've taped some, uh, like, self-fluorescent tape yeah. to my base to just just in case the stage gets really dark and stuff. And yep. that really helped because I could see those lights through the wig uh, at some occasions. However, I did a few, like, terrible... <laughs> fuck-ups uh just you know for a few seconds you just you know you, you play one note wrong oh shit i was supposed to be yeah yeah side. i mean but and i mean the strings are not what i'm used to you know the flat bones it, it's kind of a different piece but hey i mean people really really like the gig and it's yeah i mean there is no point in going up your own no, it was, uh, it was amazing. I was there, obviously, and, and it, was, it was a great time. It's, it's so funny to see that Iron Maiden still, after over 40 years, can pull like uh, audiences from all ages, you know? There were yeah. people in their 60s, they were teenagers, or, like so many people came out just to have fun and listen to Maiden. Yeah, well, it was really cool, actually. I mean... I know uh, Sarah, the singer. Her dad was there, and he's in his mid sixties. Yeah. And he's he's a diehard Maiden fan, like hard rock guy. Yeah. He was the guy who got her into, you know, heavy music, and he was yeah. he was really having a good time. So, and I mean, like like I said, with teens there, it was it was it was yeah. really fun. And next time we hope to have a bigger stage. That's like our yep. <laughs> our main goal for next time. 
uh, a stage where I can actually, you know, yeah. move a bit because, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because you talk about like doing mistakes and whatnot. And I always thought that the clansman, you know, the, 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 the fifth playing in the intro it always yeah. sounds so weird both live and in studio but especially that, live because you don't really know where's the downbeat no no yeah it's it's and and like the verse thing i'm, I'm doing yeah so I'm, i don't know what's the i think he does like yeah because it changes in the verse it becomes yeah. a different pattern and that's very confusing yeah it's very confusing so I've done a an approximation of that just just you know to make it make sense yeah. I guess uh, and I'm do I'm doing keys on that song as well so that's one of like the hard ah. <laughs> the hard tunes for me to play um, nice. I didn't I didn't mess that one up though um, <laughs> but it's yeah you know you want those lush strings to go with it because it makes it so much more epic and big if you have the strings yeah. and not just you know uh, two guitars True. and a bass um, so yeah that was. Yeah. That was fun. It was really fun to see you there. Yeah, well. no problem. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's just fun seeing live music again. You know, after yeah. two years of basically not leaving your house, it's uh, fun to be out on the town again. Very much so. And yeah, I I, I mean, I guess we can talk rig for a second if that's yeah, okay. Like, of course. Uh, because I used my I, I managed to strip down my entire setup to a small, well, smaller pedal board yeah. to the. Uh, uh, pedal train classic junior which had my keyboard rig and my quad cortex and my wireless and mm. uh, and then i had the ebs magni 502 uh, mm. combo and i mean that i mean it's loud yeah. it's a really loud combo and it weighs i think it weighs like 14 kilos or something it's nice. it's super lightweight sounds great punches really really hard yeah, and I mean, you you gave me some interesting feedback on on my tone because, <laughs> because you know how it is when you you, you sit down and you tweak your tone and you're like, yeah, this sounds yeah, this is the way it should sound, and you were like, yeah, I can still hear your Billy. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, you know what stood out the most? It was the swell of the compress compression. Yeah, you know the kind of it's like because when Billy plays, it's almost like he has a reverse echo because you almost hear the notes before they are played if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah i think so yeah yeah uh, and and now we're getting into harry's sound again but it's inevitable i guess yeah steve harris has a lot of percussiveness to his sound yeah uh, i just listened to uh, the remaster of uh, number of the beast yesterday and there's not a lot of bottom end in his bass zone, but no. that's also what makes it unique because he has, again, you, you, you don't want him saying he's from the punk rock uh, style, but there's a lot of punk rock in his bass tone. It sounds a lot like Paul Simonon from The Clash. Yeah, and there's a lot of, I mean, I've seen a few, you know, behind the scenes videos and stuff and there's he has such a huge headroom on stage yeah the bass is the loudest thing on stage essentially essentially yeah um stupidly loud which is that's probably because he doesn't have that huge slow end because that would just make everything go boom yeah (laughs) everything goes boom yes in a Uh, bad way in a bad way yeah so yeah so that was i mean it was a fun gig it was uh Mm. it was quite the athletic um you know, undertaking. We did, I think it was 90 minutes or close yeah. to 100 minutes of, of a set. And I got some feedback that wasn't, it didn't feel long. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's what she said. That's what, 
<laughs> oh dear. Uh, and I guess you know that's that's a good thing when you make like a long set list. Yeah. If, if people are like, yeah, you could really tell that you were going for one and a half hour, and it's like, okay, then it was then it wasn't a good set. Yeah. It's like, but if if people are like, yeah, we're, like really into it all the way, then you're, yeah, then you're you're good. Yeah. I think. So did you listen to Haken's new release? I haven't had the time. Uh, oh. Yes. No. I like stupidly enough. I've been listening a lot to the new Weiner Dogs. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yep. But I haven't. I haven't had the time to sit down and listen to the new Haken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably should have yesterday when I was driving around. You know, dropping uh, the singer off mm. by the train and yeah. dropping the drum stuff off. But uh, I haven't, and I, I probably will uh, as we yeah. <laughs> wrap this podcast up. It's uh, um, it's a classic. Uh, B-side Haken, you know, they almost always release. First, they release like a really heavy or proggy stuff, and then they have sort of. It's not a ballad, I would say, but it's more of a uh, like in the mid mid CD track. Like um, okay, yeah, but it's interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. I won't spoil it. No, I, I'm I'm gonna listen to it. I mean, I Haken are like one of those bands that. I think it was close to 10 years ago that I discovered them around, you know, when the mountain was out. Same. Uh, And I really fell in love with them, um, with that album especially. Yeah. Um, It really, like, you know, and it opened my, like, my my ears more to Gentle Giant and the older Mm. stuff as well. Yeah. Um, They were like a gateway drug, you can say. Because uh, Gentle Giant inspired Spock's beard, they have those vocal harmonies, you know, a cappella oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Spock's beard definitely was a big influence, at least on Ross, uh, the singer in Haken, oh. I believe. Um, and yeah, it's, it was the same for me. I discovered um, the first time I heard the piano, uh, what she called the piano sequence on Atlas Stone. Yeah. That's when I realized uh, yeah. something special was going on. It's a really, really cool song. Uh, oh, I heard. Was that Harry? Yes. Harry, what do you want? <laughs> Food. <laughs> yeah, I just fed them before the podcast so they wouldn't be like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, back to Haken. Um, the the thing, the thing about Haken is, even at their worst, they're still better than like 95% of the bands out there, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, I mean, I'm quite intrigued about, you know, how they're going to sound with the n- brand new old keyboard player yeah. that they got now. Uh, I really like the stuff that Diego is doing, so it's going to yes. be interesting to hear a new uh, or and new I w- old addition. Yeah, and uh, I wonder why he left. He's been a part of Haken for so long, Diego, and I guess I guess the keyboard hasn't had a huge uh, like room for for experimentation in the latest albums. No, um, and I like I like the whimsical side of Haken. You know the the melodical, more Genesis, Gentle Giant, yes, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, Visions is probably still my favorite album. Okay, I uh, have. Uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Mountain still is like the album for me. Mm. Uh, although I, I really like Aquarius as well. Yeah. Um, especially you know Celestial Elixir and oh, stuff that's like amazing. that. It's an amazing, amazing album, amazing songs, and you know, just that quirky yeah. prog thingy. Uh, the you know the yeah, <laughs> doing the circus. Thingy. Yeah, uh, we did that with structural disorder as well for uh, the fool who would be king because you know cabaret mm. prog metal is always a fun yeah. thing to do. And 
that is interesting because I think I think a lot of we're gonna get into this later about the tone and, and the the way people play now and the sounds you have in prog metal. Um, but I think their latest albums, Vector and Virus, they were a lot dictated by the producer when it comes to sound, I think. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Ollie who did both, right? I or think so, he? yes. Yeah. Uh, and we might as well get into this topic now, um, since, since we brought it up, yeah. because bass tone, especially in, in metal and prog metal, has become so much, oh, have a dingwall and a B7K from Dark Class, you're, you're done. Uh, and... I honestly find it kind of boring because I know before I listen to a song that's how it's going to sound, you know. Yeah, I mean, says the guy I, with the dingwall in his lap. Yes, <laughs> I got a, I got a dingwall in my lap now. Mm. Uh, this one, however, does have the the custom pickup from Urban Pickups, so nice. there is that. I, yeah. I try to, you know, not get away, but you know, try to. I try to flavor this bass a bit different than uh, yeah. just a stock combustion. Uh, I've also installed the uh, series parallels, which is on this one. So we got uh, two modes for each pickup. So yeah. it's, it's quite a verse. I mean, dingwalls are amazing instruments. Yes. And I totally get why modern bandle bass players are using them. Yeah. Because that low B, yeah, that absolutely. piano. I mean, you can't beat that with a 34-inch True. bass. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, a 34-inch BAAD P bass sounds amazing as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm using one quite extensively mm. uh, from time to time, uh, the Yamaha yeah. BB734A. However, it's an entirely different beast than this. Yes. This is a, like, you get that piano mm. low B, and, and I, mean, I've tuned it, I mean, I've tuned this down to drop E, and <laughs> you, can, you, can still, you can still actually make out the overtones of the note. Yes. And, yeah, so... And that's what makes them so good for for distortion because they have the, that incredible fundamental low end yeah. uh, that just gives gives the the dark glass equipment, especially so much uh, sonic information to work yeah. with. Uh, and that's also part of something. I, I sometimes think that the low end of thirty four and thirty five inch bases sometimes sound more pleasant to me. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean they sound the way that Leo intended them. If you <laughs> if you get if you get like yeah, what I'm saying, I, I I I might be totally wrong on this, and someone will probably let me know in the comments <laughs> on YouTube. But I think he Leo said on thir- settled on the 34 just out of a whimsical. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I, I think there was something to that. That's great. That he did he didn't like spend too much time, you know, thinking about scale length and. No. Pick up placement. I mean, he. I mean, he did. He did what we are always coming back to yeah. as a reference, like hands down. But I, I might be totally wrong on this, and <laughs> I will probably get to know that. Probably the, the second that that someone hears this, I will get uh, comments on YouTube and uh, mm-hmm. you know, angry. <laughs> oh, you you got the facts wrong. <laughs> yeah, you got them wrong. Don't you have Wikipedia? No, sorry, I don't have Wikipedia up at yes. the moment. I'll <laughs> I'll get to that. But but uh, but. Yeah, getting back to the topic, um, Dingwall and a dark glass distortion, and you're 90% there in, in most metal songs. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's kind of refreshing to hear bands like Cynic, for instance, 
with uh, rest, me rest in peace, Sean Malone, amazing yeah. bass player, just having the fretless, clean tone. Uh, because because a it sounds really good but also b it sounds it's not what you expect so it breaks your expectations uh uh, subverts your expectations and i i think it's uh it's a wonderful thing sometimes because aquarius from haken again was recorded by all fretless yeah and that's really part of the character yeah the gary willis signature yeah, uh, Ibanez. And a lot of people, I, I know we have completely different theories about distortion on bass, you and I, and that, that's what makes this discussion so fun. Um, <laughs> because um, you like a lot of distortion, and I, can, I, I like a lot of distortion sometimes as well, but I generally prefer a more clean bass tone with a slight edge. Yeah. Like that tube driven when when you push the tube so they almost break up but they don't yeah. give distortion that that's my jam and that's where I want to be. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess, to me, like the distortion is a way to hide the way that I, the the fact that I'm a shitty player. No, <laughs> but uh, but I kind of I mean I, I've played with distortion for so long now yeah. that it's uh, a part of what i need to feel i guess yeah, also yeah. beneath my fingers i mean even when i've got a clean tone there is still some gain and drive to it mm. uh, my steve harris uh, quote-unquote tone mm. has quite a bit of grind and growl and distort a bit of distortion to it yep and that's just the way i like my tone to go yeah um i mean i i wish i could you know play with a tone like this that i got right now which i mean it's not it's not overdriven. There's, there's still some, some edge to it. Yeah, and there's some saturation to it. Yeah. I'm not gonna spoil what I'm playing through because it's. <laughs> but it's nice. Uh, but it's nice, and uh, yeah, I mean, I talked to Christian of um, Infinite Maiden and mm. Sorcerer and all, all a lot of other cool bands yeah. uh, about this when we were going to the gig that. You know, when, when Ole England does his amazing demos, hmm. uh, people have tended to comment like, oh, everything sounds the same when you do it. And <laughs> that's because because he gravitates towards the tone, mm. because that's the tone that he wants. Yeah. Um, and it's and I, I guess it's the same with me and ev- everyone else who has spent a lot of time dialing in, in a tone. You're instinctively going for something that you want to hear. Yeah, of course. That's what you're doing. It's not like, oh, I'm going to dial in something completely different now that's gonna sound like ass no you're going for something that you that you hear in your head and yeah. uh, i guess that's what i'm using why i'm using distortion uh, yeah. the way that i do it and, and it makes sense because like i'm a groover if if i if i should categorize myself as a bass player yeah i'm a groover and uh for me to have that groove that that connection with the rhythm i need a clean the punch of a clean bass tone so i can lock in with the bass drum yeah um that that's that's literally the key for me and i guess the bands i've played in haven't really been catering towards having that heavy distorted sound uh, and it's funny because my music taste and what i like to play uh, they they separate a bit because i like to listen to a lot of prog metal, a lot of proggy stuff, but I, I like to play more groove-oriented stuff. Yeah, <laughs> personally, uh, my last band was very much uh, Genesis Yes sounding band with uh, piano and acoustic guitar. So, 
Yeah. I mean, ha- having a heavily distorted bass with, no, that with would acoustic be like, guitar, that wouldn't no. work. No, that would be like going to the deli counter and farting. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's also... advice. Yeah, the, the low end, the low end of a completely undistorted bass tone is something that's it's just part of me. Yeah. And... Uh, but I also want, when I dig in, I want the sound to come alive. I want to have my dynamics. And yeah. that, that comes a lot from basically having bass teachers that, that taught me the value about dynamics and playing. Um, and one of my bass teachers even taught me to practice unamplified, which I think is wrong because if you're unamplified, you can't hear your mistakes as well. Uh, you get very strong in your fingers, absolutely, um, but you don't hear the mistakes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm gonna disagree in a uh. way on that because I, I I practice well not not well quite a bit, you know, un- unamplified when I'm doing, you know, trying to play, you know, doing yeah. sweep stuff and stuff like that. I try to do that uh, unamplified so that I really hear that I'm doing. You know, hitting all of the notes. I didn't do mm. that right there. So, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. So, 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 so that you don't, uh, so that you're not relying on, say, your amp or your pedal or your mm. compressor to to yeah. help you out. Yeah, that that was the theory from my bass teachers as well. Yeah. Okay, here's the un- unamplified. Let's see if you can. I even sound better unamplified. Hmm. So yeah, it, it was sloppy there, but uh, I'm, I'm blaming that I haven't played a, <laughs> <laughs> no. a multi-scale instrument in quite yeah. a few weeks. No, but I, I, uh, get, I get what you're saying, and I yeah. absolutely agree to that so as there, well. I mean, so yeah, so there's something to playing unamplified and just yeah, because shit, if I mean, it sounds good unamplified, it sounds good amplified as well. Yeah, but then again, you need to practice amplified and at loud volume so that you yeah. know what you're, uh, you yeah. know, providing for the band. So there, you mean there is, as a middle, middle yeah, ground. Yeah, there's. Yeah, you need to, you need to have it both. You can't just. Oh, I'm just playing unamplified, and then everything sounds great with whatever I'm playing into. No, that's yeah. not the case. Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but go- going back to to uh, prog and metal and bass yeah. tone. Um, I bring this up all the time, obviously, but Dan Briggs, between the Baird and me, uh, he's always had... A, it is a completely clean tone because he uses uh, tube amps that has a, a dirty channel. Uh, he uses a dirty channel, but only to use the EQ on the dirty channel. So, so he has basically a clean tone, but he has a lot of mids in it that makes it sound that it's distorted, but he rarely uses distortion. He, does he use a Sun amp? Uh, he, he used to. He's retired now. He's, he, uses his, he uses it for recording, but live he uses a Fender Super Bassman. Okay, and the Spectre basses, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Spectres have that inherent awesome growl. Yeah. Uh, you know, the... EMGs. Uh, yeah, the EMGs, and you have the... Oh, I'm, 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 I'm blanking pump. on the name. What? Tone Pump. Yeah, I'm, I'm blanking on a bass player name here, which I hate myself for because mm. I can name every ba- every member of the band. I mean, except for bass Rex Brown, maybe? No, in no? Queensryche. Queensryche. Um, oh, Queensryche. Uh, isn't Eddie... Yeah, yeah, yeah Eddie... Oh. I'm also, I'm also drawing blank. Oh, damn. Yeah, but I, I know what of, you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, he's one of my favorite bass players. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is, this is, this is terrible. 
Damn. Oh, sorry. Yes. I'm gonna, yeah, we're going to get that in comments. Yeah, yeah, I was about to away. say, fire please, please, in the please yeah. <laughs> fire away. Let me know. Um, Scream at me. But, but he also, his. it's funny because his Spectre Eddie base. Yeah, Eddie Jackson, of course, yeah. Uh, but Dan's Spectre signature, of which I've owned two now, uh, will probably own one again eventually because I just can't get enough of that sound. It's based on an old Korean Spectre yeah. called the NS2000-5. And it's it ver- it differs from their usual Spectres because A, it has the passive EMT pickups, the, the oh. Hertz pickups. Uh, but it also has a slightly different pickup placement, uh, which gives the bass more of a like deeper growl, more than a punchy growl. It has a dirtier sound. That's nice. Yeah, and that you can really hear it, uh, especially in this in the studio recordings. He tends to have a much cleaner tone live because I guess he can't always bring his tube amps. No. On tours, he should um, use the quad cortex. Mm, I think he. I think they use fractal, like everyone yeah. else, probably. Um, but yeah, he he uses a very clean bass tone, and I, I guess between the Baron and Me's music, it's it's not your typical metal music today. It's such. We talked about vaudeville and carnival before, and they definitely have that vein in the music. You know, the the whimsical. Yeah, and and quite. You know, it's it's heavy on close to a. You know, you, you get, I mean, when you have heavy music, like mm. really heavy with blast beats and everything, yeah, uh, they have that tone that kind of kind of makes me think of old school death metal that is kind of, yeah. you know, it's also harsh to listen to in a way. Yes. Uh, if that makes sense. I'm not saying that it sounds bad, but there is a harshness and there is like... Absolutely. There, it's, it's a bit fatiguing for my ears to listen mm. to. And, and I mean, that's really cool. And yeah. I, can, I can totally dig that when I'm in the right... Yeah space mentally yes. uh, but yeah yeah you're getting what i'm saying there yeah it's so, it's a contrast between the the heavy and the rough and and the melodic uh, that makes between the bird and me such so special because they have these amazing soaring melodies both in the in the vocals and in the keyboards but then they have the heavy rough death metal type growl and it's it's a yeah, wonderful heavy. mix heavy like a really heavy thing yes like like uh, a pvt40 <laughs> that kind of heavy. My, oh, my yeah. first bass t-shirt, he had a PVT-40 that weighed over 10 kilograms. It was oh. stupidly heavy. <laughs> yeah, black hole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could you could use it as a boat anchor, basically. Got a lot. Yeah, but they, they are really cool basses, though. They are. I they mean, sound amazing. I, I love heavy basses. Yeah. I, I talked uh, to my friend Emil, the drummer, yeah. who I play a lot with, about, you know, heavy instruments. Like, mm. a, a too lightweight... It, there is There is a... There is some sort of sweet spot there. Yeah. Like a two, like if the instrument instrument doesn't weigh enough, it feels like a toy, yeah. and I I don't I don't like that. I mean, I grew up playing a P bass, so I guess mm. I guess like I have to <laughs> stay stay in stay in shape to keep playing bass because that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Like I want my instrument stuff some weight to. Yeah. Uh, have you tried a Hofner uh, Beatles yeah, yeah, bass? Yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> th- those are impossible to play for me because both of the string spacing is so tight and and the neck is just so tiny. Yeah, and you're you're quite tall as well. Yeah, like, I can I can pull it off because I'm a I'm a I'm a hobbit. But 
<laughs> yeah, my spider fingers are just like, how do I play this? Impossible. Yeah, you can wrap your hand twice around. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Two laps and uh, I, I love the, the irony is I love the sound, like the clicky sound, especially with a pick. A few times I play with a pick. If I have a, a Huffner club bass, I will play. And, and yes, yeah. I say Huffner because I'm a language nerd and that's how you pronounce it because it's an E. <laughs> it's not a Hofner. Yeah, exactly. Hofner um, is probably the, the, the closest approximation. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And I agree because if you have a really lightweight bass, um, they, they are very resonant. and they, they But they can sometimes lack punch in general. Yeah. Like the hollowness shows in some way. Yeah, yeah it really does. I mean, I've... I played a few, like both copies and real, real ones, and they're really cool. But th- there is a catered flavor to them. I yeah. would never bring one to a metal gig. But if I'm mm. doing, you know, if you're doing Beatles songs, then go for that. Yeah, that's the that's the tone, guys. Yeah, or a Rickenbacker. Um, yeah, or, or a Rickenbacker. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's segue. Speaking of tone, let's segue into another, you know, a release: the new Winer Dogs mm. uh, song. Which I, I'm guessing that you haven't heard. No. So so <laughs> now we both have something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. It's like yeah. uh, it's like Christmas Eve today, mm. uh, song-wise. Uh, yeah. Although we know what they, what's in the uh, Christmas gifts. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they got a new song out, released it on this this past Friday. It's called Sanadu, mm. and uh, no. As far as I can tell, there are no hints towards <laughs> uh, the Rush tune in in the yeah. song. Uh, I'm 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 guessing that they will probably you know incorporate some thingy probably uh, a tri- live tribute to Neil. Parrish. Yeah, and uh, here is another spot where you guys and gals can let me know in the comments that I missed out on a drum fill or something. Like, <laughs> how could you miss out on... At 3.43, yeah. Mike is doing the exact same kick pattern as... Yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. But yeah, uh, it's a really cool song. Uh, yeah. I, I love the Winery Dogs. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. Mm. We named my main band Six Feet Deeper after one of their songs. Ah, um, I don't know. Yeah, from the first album. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, just amazing, amazing players, all three of them, yeah. like beasts. Uh, Richie Kotzen is like... Such an underrated he, guy. He's unbelievable. Like, that voice, those chops. Yeah, and he plays, he almost always plays without a pick, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he he told the story that he was doing a, a bunch of clinics, I think it was in Japan, and he was just hating himself. Playing-wise, he was like, "Yeah, I don't like what I'm what I'm doing." So he he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna lose the pick. I'm not gonna bring the pick." Yeah, and see what happens. And uh, that kind of set him off on a whole new, you know, direction, which which kind of you know (laughs) really worked for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of funny tone-wise because Billy's tone, it's you can you can of course hear his Billy. Uh, It's it's a bit less distorted. Uh, mm. There are a few guys on the Yamaha forum and uh, stuff that have started to guess what Bill is using. Like, is is, is he using the Pierce? Is he using <laughs> Suncoast? Is he using the EBS? Yeah. Is he using the Helix? To me, it kind of sounds like the old purple EBS, actually. Mm. Uh, the first iteration, because it had a certain growl to the mid-range, which I still, yeah. you know, whenever I plug that pedal in, I'm like, yeah, this is... <laughs> this is just a great pedal mm. uh actually yeah they they really had a a nice growl yeah. in that one 
because the pierce is very brown if that makes sense it has like a very uh, it's a very special kind of distortion and if yeah. you hear the pierce you can almost instantly tell it's the pierce it has a very special sound quality to it that i mean i i own a pierce bc1 yeah uh, which is stock billis is billis is modified yes. um and uh, which is, so it has a lot more gain and distortion yeah. I've, uh, the suncoast bc3 xl ha actually has uh, a mode switch so you can mm. go between the stock and the modded one nice um but yeah i mean there is a certain sonic character to that preamp that you can almost yeah. always make out the the latest um talus record mm. 1985 uh, people <laughs> are still guessing like did you use helix <laughs> and the wife or did you i mean <laughs> And, yeah. and I really like that there is a mystery to it because yeah. there are not many mysteries these days. Like yeah. if you think about it, like everyone knows everything. There is always a gear page True. like here is what they used. Here are pictures. Yeah. Like it, it's fun that there is actually some mystery to Absolutely. what Billy has been using on these last two releases. Yeah. But but anyway, it's a really cool song. Mm. It's uh, straight up rock banger. Yeah. Great singing. Great drumming. Uh, yeah, great bass playing. Everything is just, yeah. you know, it, it was really what I needed and wanted from the Winery Dogs. Yeah. It's kind of a, not throwback, but they are a bit going back to the first album, which was a bit more raw in a mm, way. And nice. the second one was a bit more, you know, polished and yeah. more, slick, you know. Bluesy. Yeah, 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 a bit more slick. Yeah. Um, there are still a few, you know, overdubs with, you know, claps and stuff, but yeah. overall, a bit more raw. And yeah, yes. can't wait to hear the full album. Speaking of raw, will we probably be be flogged in the comments for bringing up this topic, which is a segue to music theory and what it does for your musicianship, oh. and you know the classic, oh you can't study me theory and be a, a groovy musician, blah blah blah, etc. etc. Yeah, and How the, like I said in the previous episode. It's like saying that you can't speak with emotion if you know how to read. Right. <laughs> but but let's get into it. I mean, I'm I'm a classically trained musician as far as music theory goes. I I've studied music theory since I was 13 years old up until I was in my early 20s. And honestly, what what music theory has done for me like I listen to a song once and I can pretty much play it comfortably after one listening if it's a simple you know pop song yeah uh, and I never got why there should be an opposite side to this why why music studying music theory makes you a, like bad musician or something it, it's such a weird I'm gonna stick my I'm gonna stick my neck out now and yeah. get bitten but <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that the guys mostly mm. or saying that that i mean l learning stuff makes you play with less feeling mm. they are the the people who have tried to learn theory <laughs> and failed right. or 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 you know are on you know are yeah. are, are like uh, are, are looking at theory as something that you can't learn because it's too hard yeah and i think i mean if you have that if you come from that place when you're when you're looking at something then you're i mean it's it's such a you know bad way to approach things yeah. it's the same with like when when you see like comment sections of shred guitar players like oh there's no feeling to this mm. and 
99% of those guys who write those comments are just jealous that they can't play. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it, it, it's I as agree. simple as that. Yeah. And, I mean, sorry if I'm making someone cry right now, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is, and you know it's true. Yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that being said, you can be an amazing musician and not know Absolutely. a single thing about theory. I mean, uh, Misha Mansour from Periphery, he, he's not a trained musician, but he makes his amazing melodies and harmonies anyway in his songs. Yeah, and, and the Bjorn and Benny from ABBA. Yeah. Uh, you have Steve Harris and the guys from Iron Man. I mean, you can yeah. have an amazing career and not know a single thing about reading yes. music. Billy doesn't read music. Yeah. Uh, Billy Sheehan, that is. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I said his name. Right yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> why? I mean, you can be an amazing musician mm. and not know any theory. However, if you know theory, it's a crutch to have. It's a tool in your toolkit. Yeah. It's like learning how to do slap. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't need to do slap in a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you do... That, it would just sound yeah, like shit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I did, I did play it right this play, this past game. I heard, I heard, I heard. Yeah, I was looking for you. I was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for those of you listening, I, I we did a recording of five <laughs> songs and I played the trooper like this. Yeah. And Sammy was like, no, that's wrong. I was like, what? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's supposed to be... Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, I played it wrong in there. Because that, yeah. that's mirrored, mirrored in Nico's drums as well. Exactly, and, and it's actually a bit more relaxing to play. <laughs> right, but, but anyway, uh, getting back, back, back to theory. Yeah. yeah, back to theory. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think knowing theory is always helpful, especially if you're a player who needs to learn other people's songs, which is another topic that we're going to... Yeah. Maybe we can segue that into this, but uh, when I was... Um, this summer, when I was sitting in with a lot of bands... Yeah. Knowing theory and knowing basic uh, principles about song structure and stuff like that really helped me learning all of these songs with all of these different bands. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, in a way you can, of course, get away with just having a good ear. You know, yeah. like, if you know what a... Okay, that's the tritone, you know, yeah. like... If you know, like, okay, that's the flat five. Mm. If, you, if you're aware of that... Yes. Um whether if you know it's a flat five or not yeah. i mean that's cool but to me it really helped knowing that okay they went for flat five there so i'm probably gonna stay on the route there because they want the tension that, mm. that yeah. i mean yeah stuff like that really helped mm. and uh, no, yeah no i agree and that's exactly what i was going to segue into and uh, it's learning music I'm, I'm i'm a horrible composer i can't compose for for, for crap uh, I can admit that, but I'm very good at learning other people's music. I pick up, like I said, I can listen to a song once, and if if it's fairly uncomplicated, I can I can pick it up and play it right away. Yeah, uh, that's because it's not like I think about music theory. I just I just hear how the, like the the melodies and the songs how they relate to each other. You know the chords, and it's not something I I bring out or. or actively try to think about it's just there you know it's no, it's, it's, it's like a chemist a chemist yeah. has to be taught basic you know molecular science before a chemist can start mixing compounds you know yeah or a, a baker or a, yeah. a chef yeah and i mean it's not like you're it's like a writer a writer doesn't sit there like okay here's a verb here's another yeah. verb i mean you don't think that yes. but if you're if you were to sit down with your own 
text mm. if you're a writer and you know the basic uh, mm. theories of uh, you know uh, language then you probably can pick out okay what doesn't it, why 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 is this section here what why yes. doesn't it you know flow what's the problem yep. here it's it's I mean, interesting it yeah because uh, and we're almost into christmas now and I was thinking about this. You, you were talking about tension in music, yeah. uh, and knowing your mu- music theory, you know, knowing your like tritone substitutes and everything, and like it, it can add some, such amazing tension to music. Uh, I was yeah. I was at a restaurant eating lunch, and they play this Christmas piano collection uh, with all these classic arrangement of songs that I've sung in choirs for yeah. like ten years. I know them very well, and suddenly I hear an arrangement that's made simplified, that's simplified, and it's. I just like, where's the tension in the music? You yeah, just you just ten- removed all the tension in the music by changing <laughs> that chord or not changing yeah. that chord, and uh, the diminished chord. It's like I say this so many times, but the, with, without the diminished chord, music would be so boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the most famous Swedish Christmas songs actually starts with the. Um... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when you know that, okay, it, it's like the way that it's composed mm. that it's supposed to make you long for christmas and yes. the tension i mean it's it's a smart smart thing we, we can talk about the band i discovered recently bear ghost you know them yeah uh, no i haven't heard him no <laughs> are you being sarcastic or not no i have not heard bear ghost I, I showed them. Oh, anyway, they're, they're really oh, cool. Wait, 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 yeah, wait, yeah. Oh. You know the the necromance and dance and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But, I remember. But, Sorry. Um, I don't know if these guys are trained or not, but they have a fundamental understanding of music theory, because you can hear it in their arrangement in their songs. Because their use of the diminished chord is so sublime, and it adds so much tension in their music that wouldn't be there if they just did a simple triad of you know tonic subdominant and dominant and there's nothing mm. wrong with that so many so many songs are made with that but you can add so much more to me abstract feelings because yeah, some chords, flavor yeah flavor exactly some chords just like uh like a diminished seven chord is just there's so much tension in it because that's what yeah. it's supposed to do it's supposed to yeah. be uh, it's 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 not a resolving chord. You want resolution from a from a diminished chord, and that's that's what it builds up. And and a diminished chord can go so many ways, no pun intended. No, <laughs> but it's true. And in a way, I mean, music is a lot like cooking. Mm. And uh, I mean, you can get away with just having uh, potatoes, so- meat, and uh, sauce and salt and pepper. Uh, and salt and pepper. <laughs> uh, yeah, no sauce, just salt and pepper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, like knowing what brings out certain aspects of the flavor. Yeah. I mean, it's like like the use of garlic, which was mm. uh, frowned upon for hundreds of years in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like garlic is like the one of the most amazing yeah. things to, to have in food, in my humble opinion. Uh, that's uh, a really uh, good analogy too, because the role I, I used to live with a master chef uh, for Ooh. for years. Yeah, an actual master chef. He was one of the first guys who got a star in the Michelin Guide. Um, oh, and yeah, actually, and the thing about salt in cooking, it's not about fl- just about making the flavor stronger. Uh, salt also reacts with the protein you're cooking. If you're yeah. cooking a steak and don't salt it, it will have a completely different texture than if you salt it beforehand. 
and then cook it uh, because it, it reacts with the proteins. And, and in a lot of ways relating to music theory, you have these these chords that want to be resolved that like they are the glue that keeps the music together you know yeah that's 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 how i see it in my brain <laughs> yeah and, and it totally makes sense yeah i mean music is a lot like cooking yeah and making music it, it's like cooking and a language and everything it's it's about communication and i guess cooking is like it's about coming communication as well yeah and, anyway. it's, and it's about taste everyone yeah, every, about, everyone has an individual exactly. taste. exactly <laughs> that's another like my favorite analogy to to bring out yes. that like tasting music is like tasting food and there is food that is meant to make you feel happy and comfortable right yeah. away like fast food yep and that's what pop music is yeah. to me <laughs> and there is i mean i mean i don't mean that in a bad way <laughs> you know but i get if it, you I get think it. about it yeah. like the 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 tiktok music that mm. kids have these days it's like mcdonald's yeah absolutely uh, and and of course of course you love it. it it's full of sugar and and fat yeah. of course you love it yeah uh, however i i get sick if i eat it so yeah. i mean <laughs> There is it's, that. it's the same beat in 90% of the songs. You have, yeah, you have that, the the vocoder, the the auto-tuned vocals. Oh God, yeah. And then you have yeah. and then you have the 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 octave pitched female voice. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, I try to, I teach music to kids. So yeah. I try to like make them discover mm. other stuff, and uh, it, it kind of works to some extent. I have some students like who really, you know, start to gravitate towards. Yeah, the good stuff. However, nice. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can't win every battle. Right. And it it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, it's so yeah. interesting because uh, we're segueing to the role of a bass players in in the music and different genres. And th- there's so much, so many myths about certain genres that they really don't make sense. Because when, when you say like we do, oh, we, we like progressive music. Oh, you like people that play five million notes a minute. That's like an no. old, that, that's like <laughs> yeah. the old, the old yeah. joke from the yes, it was, I think it was Chris Squire and yes, uh, they, they were asked that thing way back in the 70s, even, oh, you're the guys who likes to play five million notes uh, per, per minute. Uh, and then they made like a running gag of it. No, now we, we've come to 20 million. So yeah. we're, we, we're getting better every year. Uh, but again, uh, for me, the bass player is, is a driver of rhythm. Th- that's the yeah. main focus. I think we can all agree on that. But then what the bass player does within or in between driving the rhythm, that's what makes it interesting. The, the bass player is the glue between the drums and the guitars and yeah. keyboards and everything. That's that's like the bass role. Yeah. It's kind of like the salt, I guess, in cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the salt for the protein. Yeah. Uh, it's it's it, uh, n- Not everyone knows what a bass player does, but people can generally hear when it's missing just when people can th- feel a, a dish is lacking salt. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. I mean, man, we're killing I'm getting I'm getting hungry here. now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, I've got some snacks here, so yeah. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but but, and and I've I, I'm, to my credit, I'm 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 like, I'm a very versatile bass player. I've played everything from jazz to metal to folk music to, to from all around the world, not just Swedish folk music, but Balkan folk music, Jewish folk music, uh, Middle Eastern folk music. I played Latin grooves for, for days. I'm, I'm a very competent salsa bass player, and 
and I know the comments will say, oh, salsa is not a genre, blah, blah, blah. I know, I know, I know, it's a dance, whatever. Uh, I won't go into that, but um, knowing your place in those genres can make make the difference of how it's... If you're in a cover band, knowing the function of the... Because uh, if you know when you're playing salsa, uh, the first beat of, of the song is played straight, but every other... Uh, the bass is always half a beat ahead of the groove in salsa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the tumbao, it's called. Yeah. Oh, that was a clave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes, the, like, if you hear a salsa song on the radio, you can make it out just from the bass playing because the bass is always, always uh, ahead of the groove. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's the same with the Swedish folk music yeah. as well. Although there is not, like traditionally, there is not a lot of bass in it. But when you play bass to Swedish folk music, which I do, like, not quite a lot, but I do it every year. Yeah. Every, I mean, I have a I have a standing gig as yes. either the bass player or the bousuki mm. player. But if you play, <laughs> if you do like that, yeah, then you're you're wrong. You're supposed to be. You're just supposed to like lay yeah. out the ones. Yeah, and you have the sling polska. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's a Swedish uh, style of uh, folk music. That it's the first time you hear it, you're thinking, "What the actual yeah, hell is going on? Yeah. Where, where's the downbeat?" <laughs> yeah, and for for all of you listeners out there, like the polska is a polska. It's actually from Poland yes. uh, originally, and it's a dance that's in three four yes. where you where you emphasize the one and the three. So it's yes. And people confuse it all the time with a polka, which is a yeah. completely different thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the polka, uh, the polka talk blues band. You know which band that was, uh, or turned into? Uh, I can't remember. No, Black Sabbath. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The polka talk blues band, which uh, also came out while while sitting on the loo. <laughs> He was watching, I think it was his mother's, yeah, she has some talk for her yeah. armpits or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, I had this amazing idea. <laughs> probably, but, but getting back to the role of bass player, yeah, because if you change those, how the bass plays in those folk tunes, it's completely different. And, uh, yeah. you know, the Balkan folk music, they have the nine, nine beat, like the... That kind of rhythm, and it's so, it's so not in our Swedish musical heritage that it's no uh, but it's when you see them it's because the dancing is three shorts and one long dance yeah, exactly uh, and they make so much sense in that context but playing bass to it can be very confusing <laughs> yeah it's the same with uh, Sardan which is the folk music for uh, Catalonia mm. uh, where my grandmother uh, came from oh. like if you try to sit and write it down it's like what the what the f is going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, my my brother's uh, music theory teacher when he was in in high school, mm. uh, he was like, "There's one t- style of music that I can't stand for the life of me, and it's Sardan." <laughs> and my my brother was like, "I'm not gonna mention that I'm one quarter Catalan." Yeah, gonna... <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, and 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 to segue back into music theory, mm. like folk players normally don't know that it's oh, it's in seven. It's uh, yeah. They don't think they don't think about the subdivisions in that yeah. way. They feel it, and it's the same with that nine. It's it's three shorts and one long. Yeah. That that's how they 
uh, yeah you got three shorts and one long and it's like what's a long one what's how yeah, do you right. how do you it, it's just something you have to you have to play it you have to you have to practice yeah. it uh, and uh, it comes to you naturally and people have always been surprised and i remember when i was in folkhögskola community college i guess you would call it uh we were doing at the end of the uh, end of the year we were doing uh, application oh, not not the word applic- applications auditions uh, oh, okay. for the new new next year and I, oh. I was in i was in the band i was in the jury so we had to we had, we had to learn learn a lot of songs in a, in a short window uh, and again to toot my own horn I, I I was a lot quicker in learning all the songs than most other people were. We were playing "Limelight" by Rush, uh, oh, and nice. and it's an amazing song, but it's not not one of their complicated songs. But no. people were having so much issues with with the odd time time meters, yeah. and it's not even that that out of a meter, you know, in "Limelight." But but it's just it's just something that that comes with the practice and playing it because I mean nobody's complete right away, but. Uh, coming to music theory again and uh, playing a lot of different genres you really get that understanding of, of the bass player's place in the music and getting back to the metal theme so much bass in metal right now is just doubling the guitars and that's so boring to me yeah and I, I mean i think it's a style and we will probably see the an- antithesis of that yes. coming shortly because that's how things are. Mm. It, it always comes down to that. I mean, yeah. things go, uh, things flow in waves, and we're currently in in Rift City. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because that's what's what's selling. Then again, you have like, you have these amazing groups that are doing more of the '70s type vibe, and I mean, th- there is there is room for everyone. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, I totally get what you're saying with with modern metal because mm. that's that's what it's come down to, I guess. Yeah. And um, if you if you look to like old Sabbath songs, I mean, Geezer didn't play the riff exactly. He mirrored yeah. riff and did his own thingy with it. Yeah. So that's uh, and take really uh, cool. Marcus Grosskopf in Halloween. He yeah. he's a very melodic player, and he doesn't. He sometimes just chugs like sixteen notes and or eighth notes with a pe- with a pick, but he usually plays with his fingers a lot as well. Uh, and when he does, he plays a lot of melodic stuff, which sometimes is buried in the mix on some albums. But where he, he really goes out there, uh, yeah. and and it brings uh, so much of Halloween's style is part of his bass playing because yeah, it's, great it's tension. Yeah, he's just not pumping, you know, along with the band. No. He sometimes chugs, but but he was also take a future world for example, or uh, like he, he does some amazing bass work. Yeah, and uh, Eagle Fly Free. Yeah. Not the solo, but the, the guitar solo section. Yeah, it does I, I a know. lot of cool stuff there as well. And and oh, yeah. And that that kind of for me goes back to Sir Paul McCartney, obviously. Uh, and his I I don't know how his bass playing got so melodic. Probably because he also plays the piano and the guitar and he sings. There is a theory to that as well. Um, mm. and uh, actually it's a Hofner. The mm. thing, the Hofner. Ah. Uh, bass uh, kind of prompts you to play busy mm. because those basses have zero sustain. You can't <laughs> hold a note. True. I mean, it's, I mean, you can't hold a note like this. Yeah. It's gonna go. Yeah. Uh, so you have to play. You have to it's play true. like a tuba, mm. uh, essentially, uh, and play busy bass lines because otherwise it's just it's just gonna die. Mm. Yeah. 
that's why I did a lot of like walking stuff and you know play busy yeah. and um, I saw a video about this uh, from I can't remember the channel now sorry uh, but they did like uh, he, he learned every baseline by the Beatles everyone oh and, yeah uh, I know I know what you yeah, mean yeah yeah uh, it was an amazing video and he, he found like a a tipping point in uh, in McCartney's playing. It was, mm. I think it was with Revolver that Paul yeah. kind of changed up his style as well, like took it to a whole new level. Yes. And I, I think a lot of that came with the Rickenbacker, actually, him using that one instead. Yeah. And the the irony is on a lot of Beatles songs, it's actually John Lennon playing bass. Yeah. And uh, uh, Helter Skelter, for example, uh, John Lennon is playing a uh, six string. Yeah, Fender bass. six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that that has a very raw bass sound, and that's the funny thing about bass tone in the sixties because the amps weren't really that strong. The bass amps no. before the the Ampeg SVT entered the market. So when you drove those small like fifty watt bass amps that loud, <laughs> yeah, they, they did they distorted like crazy. Yeah, which sounded pretty cool yeah. though. You have to admit, and I mean that's the reason why the Beatles why the Beatles uh, couldn't play live anymore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they they couldn't be heard, yeah. and I mean these days you have oh yeah just just up the PA a bit yeah like these I mean things have really come a yeah. long long uh, and that way. that's a part of yeah. Swedish history that has made a lot of difference for the music history is Hagström, their yeah. their amplification changed the world when it comes to amplification for music live. I did not know that actually. Yeah, uh, they cool. yeah they made a huge difference. Uh, and uh, I don't know. They're they're maybe not close to your area, but uh, Dalarna. Yeah, they are. They yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, in Elvdalen. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's a classic Swedish brand, and they made a mark on the music history that's not not a lot of people are aware of. But but they're, no. they're there. And I mean, Elvis played a hogstrom. Yeah, and Noel Redding uh, of Jimi Hendrix Experience played a eight string. Yeah, that's true. And Frank Zappa. Oh, played yeah. and uh, there is a story I don't know how true this one is but I was told this one mm. uh, when I was up there mm. <laughs> in, in Dalarna yeah. that Frank actually went to the Hogstrom factory to pick up his new guitar mm. and he was expecting this top of the line factory but <laughs> Hogstrom they, they did I mean they built accordions for years and years and mm, years yeah. before getting into guitars yeah. uh, so when he came into the factory with these old ladies sitting there and you know building guitars <laughs> he was like what the <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like his kind of deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, know, no, but yeah. but and and again, uh, I, I guess when you ask so many different people what a, what the role of a bass player is, if 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 you ask a bass player, you will get an, a, a different answer than if you ask the general public, as always. Yeah, uh, but I like I said. Not a lot of people know actually what bass players do, but they can tell when a song lacks the bass, right? Yeah, or when the bass player sucks. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I mean, and there, are, have the, there have been studies yeah. showing that uh, that low end instrument like bass um, tends to grab people's attention when it comes to rhythm more than other instruments. Yeah, and I mean, I have this. The theory again. Mm. Um, I mean, the two most important people in the band are the singer and the drummer. Mm. If you have a great singer and a great drummer, then you're good to go. Mm. However, I think the third, the third most yes. important person is actually the bass player. Yep. If you have a great bass player to go with those, or a a good enough bass player, I should say, 
yep. then you're you're set. Yeah. Uh, because the guitar player, I mean, if the guitar player knows his or her parts, then it's it's good. Yeah. Then it's gonna it's gonna work. It's gonna groove. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, however, if you have an amazing shred guitar player, amazing drummer, amazing singer, and the bass player just sucks. Mm. Harry, donkey, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. uh, kiwis. Then, then it's gonna be terrible because the bass player is gonna is gonna bring the band down. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I mean, I've 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 seen this so many times growing up. You know, uh, bands, local bands, having amazing guitar players mm. and you know great songs and everything. And the bass player was the last guy they found. Mm. Uh, and uh, usually, you know. <laughs> There, there is something to say about you know attack on the string if you're like like yeah. that you know not not muting yeah, that or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you you can I mean it's gonna sound elitist of me but you can almost always tell if the bass player is uh, capable and competent yeah. just by hearing one note yeah, being played. Absolutely, I say that all the time. Are you playing the notes or are you playing the music? There's a huge yeah. difference, and I, yeah. I call it the YouTube syndrome. Uh, yeah. Like so many competent, uh, technically competent guitar players on YouTube play this amazing stuff, and then you send them, oh, play this simple rhythm pattern. They just like have no sense of rhythm at all. Uh, no, because that, and that, because yeah. bass playing is so much more about how you play the notes and what notes you play. And I, I guess that goes for all music, but that's also what music theory and studying music has given to me because i hear the small nuances that makes a difference in the music you know the ghost notes on bass is so important yeah and you know and i mean sting has this famous saying that we're in c until the bass player says something differently yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly we're in c yeah not gonna change yeah uh and that that's and that's so nice low and that's also yeah. something that comes with experience. I mean, you have, yeah, you have, totally. you have to I mean, play for a while to get those things. Yeah, no, I mean, again, Lee Sklar, mm. um, whenever I play the Ding Wall, yeah. I, I, I always think about how he places his hand because he, mm. I, I normally go over the pickups when yeah. I play, but he places his hand right by the neck. Yes, like Geezer. <laughs> yeah, and plucks with like his ring finger. Yeah, has this amazing and and tone. it's funny because yeah he has like the two pickups set up like back in the stingray yeah. position and yet he plays up against the neck and he gets a very you don't think he has that kind of tone but that, no that's, no no but he's also I mean he's one of one of if not the most recorded bassists of all time at least one of them yeah. and there's an obvious reason people want him he's not a flashy bass player he, he has great t- technique obviously but he doesn't need to show it all the time no no he's just he's just so solid all the time but if you, if you hear him in toto he's a completely different bass player in toto than with phil collins for example yeah and uh, still you can hear that it's him yeah it's, it's amazing uh, i know that we were planning on another bass player for for this week but mm. can we make him the the bass player of the week because of uh, there are so i mean Lee obviously has this amazing YouTube channel as well, yeah. which is, you know, he just takes his phone and plays or yeah. talks. And I mean, it's amazing yeah. to see. And uh, 
And I like he's, seen... he's also very like straightforward. He doesn't he doesn't he he says what he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, love that guy. And he have, have you seen the video about his Russian power amp? Yeah, it's a class. I was just about to bring that up. The, <laughs> I love the, that the, one. The, the, the small FM radio. <laughs> yeah, and people are like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a it's a Russian power amp yeah. from the sixties. It's, it's a thousand watts. And it's like and a people, bat- oh. battery operated yeah. FM radio. <laughs> and he, he got a Warwick signature. I think it's called the Idol Maker. Yeah. Uh, and they actually installed a knob that does nothing on it yeah the producer switch yes. yeah yeah that's amazing uh, i mean i've got I, i've got four switches mm. and five you know knobs on this uh on my ding wall and yeah. i was actually considering adding a producer switch just because it's, it's hilarious yeah. i mean oh uh, yeah uh, i mean so he has funny. done so many amazing recordings like he did the Oh yeah, yeah, the uh, oh, Stratus I mean, yeah, with Stratus, yeah. and I mean keeping that it's up. It's just that what keeping that up for yeah, the keeping it up song. for like yeah, and not going like yeah. <laughs> it's there's sometimes beauty in the simplicity, you know. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's hypnotic. Yeah. I think that was what it was going for. I think they did that album in like two days yeah. or something. He uh, he recently apparently had some had a terrible fall. Yeah, he I think it was t- extremely dehydrated uh, dehydrated yeah. and just you know collapsed yeah. and uh, smashed his face really bad. Yeah. I was uh, yeah I was a bit I was a bit scared when I saw him yeah. posting about that. I was yeah. like oh shit did he have a heart like a heart attack or something? But yeah. I think it was just uh, a bad fall from yeah. being dehydrated. I think he he pushes himself yeah in every way. <laughs> But he's a tough, he's a tough, tough MF. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, um, he's basically the Tom Morello of the bass players. <laughs> <laughs> he totally is. Oh, that would be a, a cool band to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Tom Morello, Lee Sklar, and who on the drums? Who would we want? What do you yeah, think? Someone. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Someone, someone equally angry and yeah, Nick, politically. Nick Anderson maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would that, <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, that would actually be cool. Yeah, Nick, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Like entombed Nick Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Of, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's. But but Lee, he's he's like a chameleon, Lee, uh, and yeah. he he can do any genre. Again, the versatility is why he gets calls all the time because if you don't have a bass player to call, you either call. Either maybe it's Nathan East or Lee Sklar. Yeah. Uh, Nathan East, you might not know it, but he's he's also been on so many records. Uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, but but Lee Lee, his and he has his um, he built his own bass or like a part space. I think it was a P bass with a jazz neck and two P pickups, wasn't it? It, it was a P, it was a P bass neck actually, and oh. they shimmed it down to a yes. Oh yeah, a, yeah. That's I, I think it was a sixty-three yeah. P bass neck or something. So mm. it was a bit yeah. I mean, you wouldn't do that today, but mm. they shimmed it down and he installed two EMGs. The first iteration of the EMG P pickups oh, yeah. actually uh, in the jazz positions yeah. and. He hid the battery compartment where the oh, yeah. pick pickup usually goes. So it's really interesting cool because he he's one of those subtle players. He never plays a note he doesn't need to. No, he always yeah. And he always um, he always has the the ability to know exactly what's needed for any type of music, and that's yeah. th- that's the kind of bass player I love. 
Yeah, he's he's one of my like big heroes yeah. when it comes to whenever I get a studio job, mm. which I've gotten quite a few of these, mm. you know, nice. the past yeah. uh, the past two years for reasons. Yeah. I mean, I normally, I mean, I don't get called to do pop stuff normally, but yeah. whenever I get like a session, I I I do what Lee says and listen to the song first, yeah. and you know, don't don't play anything that you don't hear. Yeah, don't I mean, don't do anything overly flashy because just because you can yeah um yeah he also has a nice beard an amazing beard <laughs> i wish i i wish i could have one but my wife says i can't uh i i can't grow a beard even if i want to do my 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 stubble grows really fast but it's very sparse so i i, okay. I, I, I would get like a, a captain's beard you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> Swedish word of the week yes. uh, or month. It's impossible to pronounce if you're not Swedish because the sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my daughter. Yeah, my daughter can't say that <laughs> that word. Yeah, the, that uh, sound yet. Yeah. So it's. Uh, Speaking of uh, sessions, what do you usually carry in your gig bag to sessions? Uh, everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> everything, but what is the Skalman says? Everything, but. Uh, what, what is what does Skalman keep in his shell? Everything but time machine. A bomb. Or is it? Yeah, ta- yeah, or something <laughs> like I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, it. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've grown into a not neurotic player, but you mm. know, I try to stay uh, one step ahead of Murphy's Law every time. Yeah, which can be pretty hard uh, mm. <laughs> uh, on occasion because yep. you know uh, anything you, that you can, can go be, wrong will yeah, go wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, I always bring you know a uh, separate power supply. Mm. Uh, always two cables. Um, yeah. I always bring you know my own XLR cables these days mm. as well because yeah. I do the keys and you you never know. I mean, I did a gig this summer at a festival and uh, the front of house guy was like, "Yeah, there's something wrong with your quad cortex. Mm. Uh, there is a terrible hum coming from it." I was like, "Are you sure? Is it not the XLR cable?" Mm. Oh, I'm not sure. Can we check the cable? And it was the cable, of course. Yeah, of course so, it is. so these days I, I bring cables with me. Uh, always spare strings yeah. and uh, a pincer or something to yes. you know be able to change them. Yeah. Um, f- about ten years ago, I got this small scarab, which is a multi-tool, which is on my keychain. Mm, nice. So I have like you know a few basic tools always with me, <laughs> no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And that has saved me quite a few times yeah. at a gig. Yeah, and and it's all about. For me, that's all about respecting the audience's time, you know. Totally. Uh, that's why I've I've never I never drink before a gig, like uh, no. because I know I don't play as well when I'm when I'm even if I have just a few drinks. People are like, oh, but it loosens you up and blah blah. No, but it doesn't. No, no, because if you no, listen I'm... to yourself after a drunk gig, it sounds like crap, because no, I, I, your yeah, motor, never... motor skills just aren't as good, basically. No, I never drink. I think I've like had a beer on stage like once, yeah. and that was towards you know when you, you you know someone in the audience buys you a beer, yeah. and it's the end of the set and you're all dehydrated, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know then I you know I'm like okay thank yeah. you, but but uh, but yeah being but being prepared for the audience if something happens you should be able if, unless you have a bass tech and you're in a big band exactly you should be able to at least extra strings a set of pliers cutters. Yeah. Uh, and extra batteries if you have an active base and everything like that. Yeah, that, I mean, I normally bring spare strings or a backup base. Yeah. That's like my my main jam. And a tuner. 
Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I always, I always have a tuner. If I, if yeah. I'm not using like the Helix or the Quad Cortex or stuff like that, yeah. I always have a tuner on my board, yeah. which mutes everything. Yes. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that's usually how it goes. So that's how it goes, kids. Uh, if you yeah. want to be a bass player, be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah. Now here we are at the end of another episode. Ta- Indeed, time we are. flies to- when you have fun. It really does. It, it, it's it's it, it's really it's really you know laid back and relaxed doing yeah. this. I really like that. It's organic. It, it, we yeah. we I mean we have some topics, but but it's kind of how it flows into each other is improvised. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, last time I think I had the topics before me. Yeah, I think you sent them in the chat, but yeah. this time we didn't do that, and it worked out pretty darn good. Yeah, I must say. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll do a. One more episode before the end of the year. Uh, mm. Maybe we'll have a guest then. We're going to see if yeah. he's available. And we might even have a face reveal. Yeah. Oh, God. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Christmas special. There will be uh, lots of caroling, uh, lots of glug and lusikatter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and maybe and maybe real cats as well. We'll see. Yeah, probably. My This time I got to sit in the comfy chair. Ah. I didn't get the... Yeah, so Excellent. that's always something. He's sleeping in the bed right now. So. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll have uh, probably some interesting guests. For sure, yeah. for sure. So, uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Eric. And thank you for listening. Yeah. See you around. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>